0: Thanks for joining me. Now let's dive deep. This episode is brought to you by our show's sponsor, Organify. If you're interested in hormonal health, I suggest you check out their Harmony blend. It was specifically designed for PMS support to help balance out female hormones and to give you a little energy boost with the adaptogenic herbs that they use, like Shatavari. And maca. So it's a cacao and maca blend. I happen to love those two flavors together. So tasty. Uh, We also have ginger and turmeric added to the mix. So it's kind of like a spicy treat. Chase tree berries also featured, which is an herb that has been long shown to support female hormones. So I highly recommend that product. It's really tasty. You could also look into their gold powder, one of their. Best sellers. That's a turmeric ginger blend. Both are anti inflammatory. And listen, menstruation, having a period, is a naturally inflammatory process. And so if you're experiencing wonkiness during those times of the month, uh, it's not terribly uncommon, especially if you have underlying inflammatory stuff going on. It kind of just throws a little bit of gasoline on the fire. So doing anti-inflammatories during your period is a smart bet. Turmeric and ginger are two things that I highly recommend. Uh, This Product Gold also has lemon balm and magnesium. Both of those are calming and soothing and can really, I mean, I drink it all the time, not just when I'm on my period, but it's a really good tool if you do have PMS symptoms. Both of these blends, the Harmony and the Gold, are great for post meal sweet treats. You mix a little bit with either hot water. I personally like it with non dairy milk. And uh, if you're somebody who has a sweet tooth, Check them out. Head to organifi.com forward slash funk. So that's O R G A N I F I dot com forward slash funk or use code funk to save you 20% on any of your orders. Hello, my friends. We are back with another show in holy mackerel that I get a lot of great feedback on last week's episode about fragrance. I, it's kind of funny. I was was joking with a friend that I almost didn't record it because I thought it was kind of like played out because I, I, talked about it a few times already. And, um, I'm really glad that I did. Cause I got a lot of people reaching out saying that they were so grateful. They learned a lot of things. Um, I did a, a post on social media that got a lot of shares. So this is clearly information that, um, not everybody knows and lots of people want to share about. Um, We did get some follow-up questions, so there might be a part two somewhere in the mix in regards to um, just follow-up questions with that episode. Um, Just to let you know, if you ever have questions on the heels of an episode, the only place to send those are to our support email. So that's support at erinholthealth.com. Lauren, my operations manager, fields those. And what we'll do is put them in the queue for uh, an upcoming show. So uh, sometimes I do listener question shows, and we can address those questions there. Um, I know a lot of you are longtime listeners, and you you know um, I don't accept um, questions through direct messenger. I I just you know um, just like the human in me kind of is trying to explain this to the human in you. Um, the podcast is one thing that I do. Um, I also built in, run an academy. Um, I run multiple group programs. I have a lot of um, one-on-one clients that I support. And oh yeah, I'm a mom, you know, I run a household. So um, I just simply don't have the bandwidth to be fielding questions all of the time through email, DMs, all that kind of good stuff. The one place that you can ask me questions is, you know, if obviously if we're working together one-on-one Uh, but also in my group program. So things like the CCP and the upcoming Your Hormone Revival. You have all the options in the world to ask me all of your follow-up cues in that program. Um, I have an official date for you. We are opening enrollment September 1st, so it's going to be before Labor Day. And we have an early bird discount Ready for you. It's gonna be 24 hours. And uh, that is only going out to the wait list. So make sure you're on the wait list if you're interested in this program. Uh, it's erinholthealth.com forward slash hormones. Get on the wait list there, and then we'll email you September 1st. So be ready. I'm pumped. We are we've really updated this program. Um, and by updated, I mean we've added some things, we're doing some new things. So the first new thing that we're doing is there's going to be two different tiers. So you have the option to purchase the program and uh, without labs. So that would include all of the course curriculum. There's tons of education modules. If you like this show, you will love the uh, course curriculum. It's all about obviously hormones (laughs) Duh. Um, But it goes really far beyond uh, hormones as well. And then we have our community and we have our live classes. So there's live group coaching with me. You have the opportunity to ask me questions in our private Facebook group, but then also within, um, like on video, we can like talk face to face. And the new thing that I'm adding is we're going to have live classes. So um, it's real, what I've been noticing is that um, it's very challenging to get somebody to opt into a meditation practice or a mindfulness practice or some type of nervous system downregulation practice because our attention spans right now are like zero. They're like negative two. So if you don't already have an established practice, I find that like the buy-in is bigger than it's ever been. And the, the overwhelm is just astronomically high. So I've been thinking long and hard about this for months, um, about how I can meet, meet people where they're at. And rather than try to just like bang my head against a brick wall being like, start meditating. (laughs) Um, what can I bring them, you know, what can I bring to you that you actually need and can benefit from? So one of those things is breathwork. I have been practicing a very specific type of breathwork for a few years now. It is, I'm obsessed. I, it, it just like, I love it. I love it. Um, And so, I last weekend, I did a breathwork facilitator training so I can now lead classes. And that is going to be a new thing that I'm adding to your hormone revival. The thing that I love about breathwork is that it gives the brain something to do. So, I'm not just like, just sit in silence, just sit with yourself (laughs) in silence. You're like, I can't. Um, Breathwork gives the brain something to do. And then, After the practice, you have this super duper blissed out, very relaxed meditative state. And like that is why we do it. Um, So you're going to have multiple chances to participate in that. And then we also have other people leading live classes. So we have trauma release exercises. We have yoga nidra. We have kundalini. We have Reiki guided meditations. It's all built into the program. So I am, I mean, I don't know if you can hear the excitement in my voice, but I'm pretty jacked up about it. I just, I'm just really excited for that. So tier one gets you access to all of those things. And then tier two gets you access to all of those things. Plus we do the functional lab testing. So you get the Dutch test, you get the thyroid panel. Um, and what's the the new, new bonus is that you also get a one-on-one session with, uh, Rachel mystery. She is, um, on the Aaron Holt Health team, she's been taking clients in my practice. She is really a woman's um health specialist. She is a, a f- dietitian who specializes in functional medicine. And she's just a real phenom when it comes to women's hormones and women's health. So you get to meet with her to go over your labs, to ask questions, to go over your health history and to get your protocol. So that's brand new this round. So again, if you're interested, get on the wait list and uh, we're going to open up registration September 1st and our first group meeting together will be September 19th. So get ready. And before we start off the show, we gotta shout out show sponsor BioCult. Their boosted product is a multi strain probiotic with four times the concentration of their original formula. That's why I like this one. It packs a good punch. All of their probiotic strains are backed by clinical research. It really makes a great everyday probiotic. I heard from a listener recently, this stuff has changed me, she said. So it's great stuff and there's no need to refrigerate it. So really handy to have around and to travel with, which is always a good idea. If you're like me, your gut gets a little cranky when you travel, when you're off your normal routine. So taking a probiotic can help with that. It can also, those capsules can be pulled apart. so, you can give it to your kiddos by sprinkling it into their yogurt or their um, oatmeal. I put it into a little shot glass with water, and Hattie shoots it back. So, if you want to check out that probiotic, head to their website using the link in our bio. Use code FUNK15 to save 15%. All right, let's get to the task at hand. Today's topic is hormones and the immune system. So, we're going to talk about just kind of general. Uh, immunity and how hormones affect immunity, but we're also going to get into uh, autoimmunity too. So if you're a listener, I know a lot of my listeners struggle with autoimmunity, the autoimmune picture, um, this is going to be a really interesting episode for you to listen to. So this is definitely going to be more geared toward women and female hormones um, because we have... Pretty dramatic fluctuations of our hormones throughout the month, and this absolutely has an impact on our immune system. And this is why during times of hormonal fluctuations, our immune issues can get triggered if we do have autoimmunity. So you know you might notice uh, fluctuations around your menstrual menstrual cycle around menstruation. Um, it's very common for autoimmune issues to flare or to ramp up or to present themselves during menopause or um, during perimenopause or postmenopause. And then in pregnancy, there are specific immune shifts that happen. Uh, We'll discuss that later in the show that can influence uh, your immune system as well. So we're going to start with estrogen. Estrogen is a little bit, we were talking about estrogen dominance a couple of weeks ago, and I think estrogen sometimes gets a bad rap uh, because A lot of us in modern day tend to um, have a struggle with with either too much estrogen or not being able to clear it, but we need estrogen for so many things. Um, Unfortunately, I feel like it's like villainized and it shouldn't be, but we definitely need estrogen for our immune system. And we of course need it in balance with progesterone. So we're going to get to progesterone too. Um, In good normal, healthy ranges Estrogen is immunosuppressive, or I would I, I think immunosuppressive sounds kind of bad, but it's immunosupportive. Let's say it's really supports the balance of the immune system. It actually can inhibit the production of certain cytokines, um, IL12, or, so that's interleukin 12, uh, TNF alpha. These are things that, that that's a good thing. Um, I'm gonna try not to get too 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 much into the nitty gritty of the science, so your eyes don't glaze over. We we save that stuff for the practitioner training. Um, So I'll try to keep it basic. Uh, But another thing that estrogen does, and this is very relevant to a lot of you, is that it suppresses the antigen presenting capacity of dendritic cells. Now, dendritic cells um, are a type of antigen presenting cells. Uh, So APCs, uh, that's what we call them. um, If you're Like on the street, we call them the APCs, the antigen presenting cells, but they're essentially like the security guards of the immune system. So anything foreign that comes into your body, it can be a chemical, it can be a food, it can be anything that your body doesn't produce itself is considered foreign, right? And if it comes into your body, that's considered an antigen. So anything that's not produced by the body, chemicals, bacteria, virus, parasites, food, all of it. When antigens come in, we have to have some type of screening process for that. We have to have some type of response. And that's where antigen-presenting cells come in. They present the antigens to the immune system. And like, we good? We good here? Is this friend? Is this foe? What's up? So we have macrophages. We have the Kupfer cells in the liver, and then we have the dendritic cells in the gut. And when in dendritic cells, I've talked about them on the show before. They're these like they have these like long gangly arms and they kind of reach in and they sample what's going on inside the intestine, like the food that we're eating. And when they they so they they sample something and then they present it to the immune system. And if they want to present it as bad, then the immune system will kind of launch an attack to like come and get it and kick off inflammation and all that good stuff. So estrogen suppresses that estrogen suppresses that process which can be a good thing because these whoa sorry these guys these dendritic cells can get very overactive uh, just like me right now I'm like so excited to talk about this I'm smashing things on my desk so when that happens when the dendritic cells or other type of antigen presenting cells get overactive we can start to over respond and overreact to things like chemicals, to things like food. And this is pretty common with immune issues. Uh, It's known as loss of oral tolerance or loss of chemical tolerance, and it's very associated with loss of self-tolerance, which is autoimmunity. So it's why folks with autoimmunity have things like chemical sensitivity or have multiple food sensitivities. So without enough estrogen or with too much estrogen, because again, All of our hormones have to, they really work in a very delicate balance. So if estrogen is out of whack, then this can really influence this whole process. And there's more to the immune system than just antigen presenting cells. We also have B cells, right? Those make antibodies. Antibodies swoop in and they attach to the antigen and then they help the fighters be more effective and more efficient. And that's how our immune system remembers, right? Antibodies, is how our immune system remembers things. Then we have like the kill, 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 murder, murder, murder cells, like the natural killer cells, the cytotoxic T cells. They bind to the antigen, to the bad thing, they attack it and they get rid of the immune response. And then the T, uh, T suppressor cells will swoop in once the antigen threat is handled and it kind of calms down the whole response. Without those, that T cell response at the end there, anf- inflammation stays rampant throughout the body. And so with immune issues, any part of that process can be out of whack. And estrogen essentially plays a role in normalizing and stimulating a lot of that process in the appropriate way. So appropriate levels of estrogen kind of uh, help with an appropriate immune response, because we don't want to be overly aggressive with our immune response, but we also don't want to undershoot it either. And then estrogen, I'm sure if if you've listened to the podcast before, you've heard me talk about T regulatory cells. Treg cells are everything when it comes to autoimmunity. Uh, they play such a massive role in downregulating, in moderating the immune response. They're like the, the the referees. They make sure the immune response stays balanced. So again, it's not overly aggressive, it's not underly aggressive. And then estrogen also helps with these Treg cells. So the Treg cells help to just balance everything out, so we can orchestrate a proportional immune response, an appropriate immune response. Not an over-exaggerated one, but we're not undershooting it either. So estrogen just plays such a significant role there. And uh, estrogen's influence on the autoimmune process in development, in progression, is also to be noted. So there's these uh, things known as AIRE, uh, autoimmune regulator, regulators. I can't help but think about it when I see that. Anyway, and they're uh, in the thymus gland, and they really play a role in how our immune system matures. So the thymus pre- uh, prepares immune cells, and they're called T cells, and they prepare them for their role in fighting infection. That's called thymic education. So it's 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 teaching the immune cells, how to respond. And this AIRE, the autoimmune regulator protein, plays an important role in this process and helps the T cells distinguish the body's own proteins from foreign invaders. So when this, or if this system malfunctions, the immune system's ability to distinguish friend or foe body protein from foreign invaders is impaired, which is essentially the whole mechanism of autoimmunity. It's that your immune system gets tripped up and is like, oh, is this my own or is this a foreign invader? Gee, it really looks like a foreign invader. Oh shit, we got to attack it, right? Autoimmunity is, is attack of our own tissue. And so um, estrogen, it really... Has a, a, a key role in that whole thing. So does cortisol, to be honest. We're going to talk about the cortisol awakening response, and uh, that plays a significant role here, too. So if we don't have appropriate levels of estrogen or cortisol, then we're, we're more prone towards autoimmunity and just having these cells that um, aren't really educated appropriately by the thymus gland, I guess we could say. Um, So a woman with high or low estrogen levels can be more prone to autoimmunity. So with an imbalanced estrogen levels can be more prone. Um, We can see this with men, but we just see it more with women because women have more estrogen. Um, I want to talk a little bit about Pregnancy, um, as we're talking about autoimmunity, because there's this very fascinating thing that happens in pregnancy with our immune system. It switches and it does so purposefully because we don't want to view the baby as a foreign invader and launch that whole immune attack that I was just talking about. So we see rising estrogen and it really shifts the immune system from Th1 mediated over to Th2 mediated. Um, I've discussed this concept of Th1, Th2 dominance um, in other episodes before. I'm not gonna get super duper in the weeds with this right now, but basically there's this big shift in the immune system It down-regulates the immune system in the beginning of pregnancy to prevent the immune system from attacking the fetus is essentially what happens. And then later in pregnancy, it switches back to like its normal settings. And so this is why if you deal with autoimmunity, whether you know it or not, this is why one of two things tend to happen in pregnancy. One is that the autoimmune flares up during pregnancy, so you feel worse during that shift. Or you feel better. And it really depends on um, whether your autoimmune condition tends to be more Th1 or Th2 dominant. I just think that's really, really pretty fascinating. Uh, There are certain autoimmune illnesses like uh, rheumatoid arthritis, um, MS, that um, can go into remission during pregnancy because of this. phenomenon and then they can exacerbate, um, in the postpartum period. Um, so that's just something to kind of consider if you're like, oh my gosh, that exact thing happened to me. Um, so it's kind of like some people just feel great during pregnancy and then postpartum it's like, here comes the boom. And then some people feel really lousy in pregnancy and then tend to feel better, uh, from an autoimmune standpoint, um, in the postpartum period. Um, other things that estrogen can do, it, it pharmacological levels, so this would be like hormone replacement therapy um, of estrogen, appear to um, um, reduce certain symptoms of certain autoimmune diseases. And um, there's a really cool article that I will link to in the show notes. It's called Estrogen, a Double-edged Ed- Sword, Modulation of Th1 and th2 mediated inflammations by differential regulations of th1 th2 cytokine production is the, the name of it in case you want to look it up now um so it says, recent evidence indicates that estrogen inhibit the production of Th1 pro-inflammatory cytokines, whereas they stimulate the production of Th2 anti-inflammatory cytokines. This can explain why estrogen suppresses and potentiates Th1 and Th2 mediated diseases respectively. So basically what that is saying is that estrogen inhibits or suppresses the Th1 pathway, but it ramps up the Th2 pathway. Mediated diseases or th2 pathway. So, if you have autoimmunity and your autoimmune is more th2 driven and you're prone to high estrogen, so you have maybe you have endometriosis or you tend towards like heavy bleeds, uh, fibroids. I talked about estrogen dominant symptoms uh, a couple of weeks ago. This can be problematic. So, you might feel this like extra, extra in your higher estrogen phage- phases of your monthly cycle. So right before ovulation, we get this um, big estrogen surge. So right before ovulation, you might feel kind of crummy. We also get a little, a little estrogen bump uh, towards the end of the cycle. So you might feel that your autoimmune symptoms kind of ramp up around this time because of estrogen's effect on the immune system. So, um, and I'm sure a lot of you are like right now, like, how do I know if I'm TH1 or TH2? Um, as it stands right now, there's no real test for that. My understanding is that there used to be a cytokine test. Um, I I don't know about that anymore. If somebody knows, please feel free to reach out. Good grief. Um, but there's a couple of really great articles on self-hacked so if you go to selfhacked.com and then search for TH1, TH2 dominance, there's a bunch. I'm not going to link to any specific one just because there's a bunch of different ones. You can kind of get down the, the rabbit hole yourself there. Um, but that's a really great place to start poking around and trying to determine for yourself. if it, It's a little bit, um, I don't want to say it's controversial. It's, it's a theory. So it's not set in stone. I have... Um, Talk to a lot of folks with autoimmunity though, who really subscribe to this idea and really, um, find a lot of help understanding this. So just throwing that out there, another great read for you. And I will link to this one in the show notes, autoimmune disease in women, endocrine transition and risk across the lifespan. Um, this also talks about a lot of these premises that we are talking about. So, um, Basically, depending on your autoimmune sitch, estrogen might make you feel a lot better or a lot worse, but it's something to definitely pay attention to. And really what we're trying to do is have appropriate balanced levels of estrogen. And we're going to quickly interrupt this discussion to shout out one of our show sponsors. As a reminder, the support of our sponsors is what allows the Functional Nutrition Podcast to continue to pump out new content to you. So we always thank them. We hope that you support them too. Local friend. Coyote River Hemp Co. I've known the owner Ryan going all the way back to my health food store days over a decade ago. His company is committed to regenerative farming practices. Listen, not all CBD products are created equally, so make sure you are being a savvy consumer when you're purchasing CBD. I highly recommend their Coyote River 500 milligram hemp oil, and you can use that to titrate the dose up or down. We always recommend starting low and working your way up slowly over time. You can head to their website and use code FUNK10 to save 10%. That's Coyote Now low. Levels of estrogen is is not necessarily any better. Um, low levels of estrogen are associated with increased secretion of pro-inflammatory cytokines um, and a decreased production of anti-inflammatory cytokines, and it's not a good combination. So it's why we can see more pain, um, joint pain, just overall pain with lower levels of estrogen. We have more inflammation in the body. Um, estrogen is also really great for uh, lubricating and building collagen. So if your collagen production is low and lubrication is low, it's just going to make things a little bit more creaky and uncomfortable. Um, We see low levels of estrogen with stress uh, with under eating, with overtraining, with amenorrhea. We can see it through, uh, perimenopause or postmenopausal, uh, uh, of course, postmenopausal, we're going to see lower levels of estrogen. So just be mindful of that. And we do, um, I'm not going to go through treatment strategies here, uh, but we do because it's so unique. That's, that's why it's like very unique to your specific you know what's going on with you, um, but we do discuss strategies for both high levels of estrogen and low levels of estrogen in your hormone revival, and um, we can do this, you know, based on your labs, of course. But one thing I will say in regards to estrogen, especially when we're talking about estrogen dominance, and honestly, pretty much any hormonal imbalance, I want to give a nod to alcohol intake because alcohol has to be processed the liver. And this is something to consider if you have hormonal issues. Um, Carrie Jones, uh, Dr. Carrie Jones says, alcohol is a bully. She will push herself to the front of, front of the line of the liver and push everyone else back, which means that things like chemicals, intoxicants, and yeah, hormones all of these things that we're trying to clear out of our body don't get to be processed quickly enough. So they end up going back into circulation, leading to more hormone symptoms. And I am not a, a teetotaler. Um, is that how you say it? Sometimes I just think, see things written out in books because I'm like an avid reader, but I'm like, I've never heard anyone actually say it out loud. So I just go for it and hope for the best. Um, but I do not completely abstain. Um, However, this is something to keep in mind. And I'm saying this specifically now because I think there's been mm, perhaps a little bit of an uptick in alcohol intake uh, over the past year and a half as a coping strategy for all of the stress and uh, trauma and fear that a lot of us have been dealing with. And I just want to say that you are fighting an uphill battle if you're trying to balance your hormones and also consuming booze on the reg. That includes wine, that includes even like my, you know, my dry farms wine and my tequila, all of it. All of it is alcohol, is alcohol, is alcohol, is alcohol. So just keep that in mind. All right, let's switch switch gears over to progesterone. I don't really have a whole lot to say about progesterone other than it's awesome. We only make progesterone for the most part uh, when we ovulate. So once we pump out and release the egg, all the cells left over formulate their own gland and then produce progesterone. And progesterone is pretty much anti-inflammatory across the board. It's just very calming. So all of that, you know, we were talking about that immune response and like things going buck wild progesterone just kind of like soothes everything down and it calms you down too. Um, So when progesterone breaks down, it breaks down into um, something known as aloe and this crosses the blood brain barrier and can bind to GABA receptors in the brain. GABA is a very calming neurotransmitter. It's like um, the brakes, you know, we have some neurotransmitters that are like the gas, this GABA is like the brakes. And so it's pro-sleep, it's anti-anxiety, it makes us Feel good. That's why when we're not ovulating or um, we're going through perimenopause, we can get sleep issues and anxiety and just generally not feel awesome. So, progesterone is uh, it participates in the immune system in that it really helps to down regulate inflammation. Um, it inhibits the production of pro inflammatory cytokines, increases the production of anti inflammatory cytokines, just generally good stuff we all need. Progesterone um why do we have low progesterone well we can stress is like the numero uno i'm not going to get into like the real nitty gritty um of you know all the hormone breakdowns that's really kind of the content that's in your hormone revival uh but the biggest reasons i say i would say is stress um undereating overtraining that whole that whole you know tandem um cortisol plays a huge role in the immune system. And I've talked about this a lot before. So I'm just going to kind of touch upon a couple of different things that I want you to really consider right now. Cortisol is a survival hormone, but it's also a glucocorticoid. When uh, cortisol gets the signal for stress. It breaks down excess glucose in the body because your body's like, oh shit, I need fuel to like fight or run or do all of the things because I'm in a life or death situation. And so it releases a bunch of glucose for you to do that. Is that a great thing? Uh, not always, not always, especially if you tend towards higher glucose levels, which most Americans do. I think like 80%. I just threw that out there. I don't know if that's accurate. (laughs) I thought I recently read 80% of Americans. Anyway, most Americans don't have good blood sugar control. So this is not ideal. Uh, So when we feel fear, the amygdala in the brain tells the hypothalamus, oh shit, be scared, be afraid, be very afraid. And then that sets off the whole stress cascade. So I just... And then we, you know, are we, then we produce cortisol that increases glucose. Think about how much stress and fear we've been under over the past year and a half. And then on top of that, we know that high cortisol and high glucose levels do not produce favorable results with this current virus. So I would say this is like arguably like two of the most important things to get under control um, in regards to overall health to immune health, and to current events. Uh, when in balance, cortisol really supports the immune system and is quite anti-inflammatory depending on the dose. That's why if you have consistently low cortisol, you tend to be achy, you tend to be in pain, you have joint pain, you just you have a lot more pain because you just don't have that hormone, that anti-inflammatory hormone doing its thing. But if we have too much cortisol, it, it's, it's not like you have like extra anti-inflammatory potential. Again, all of these hormones really need to work in a delicate balance. Um, Somebody on Instagram asked about secretory IgA, which I've discussed before. Sig A is really our body's first line of defense. And when it's, it's cortisol really direct secretory IgA. So when we see a low cortisol picture, we also, I I frequently see it paired because I'm looking at both of these things in my clients a lot. I frequently see it paired with low secretory IgA. So when I see somebody has low cortisol, that adrenal depletion picture, I'm thinking about, huh, I wonder what's going on with their secretory IgA and their immune system. Um, and it's, this is a very common trend with autoimmunity. Um, with folks that have been dealing with autoimmunity for a long time, I definitely see lower secretory IgA levels. And uh, not only does this just suppress the overall immune system, so we're less able to deal with the viruses and the parasites and the pathogens and the bacterias coming in. Um, but remember I was talking about those dendritic cells, those antigen presenting cells? When secretory IgA is low, those dendritic cells can get overzealous. They can get overactive, and they can start tagging things all over the place. And we can end up with more food sensitivities. So I just think we we can talk about that in an upcoming show. I, I'll really talk more about food sensitivities. I have so much to say about it. Um, but just understand that um, that this all kind of feeds into one another. So one of the strategies, if you do have food sensitivities, is to Um, support your overall immune system, support secretory IgA, and lower your stress. Uh, Super important. And I just want you to stop and think about how you have been coping with your stress over the past year and a half. A lot of us use food, right? A lot of us use food and sugary sweet treats tend to make us feel good. They also raise our blood sugar. Uh, Alcohol, you know, alcohol can make us feel good. It also really you know, mucks up our liver and our hormonal health. And exercise, you know, exercise is phenomenal. We have to move our body, but some people lean on exercise, kind of like at, like there's this exercise addiction. They really lean on exercise, um, intense exercise as their kind of like drug of choice, dare I say. And it's it's, it's a, a, important to move our body, but overtraining can be just as problematic for our health and our immune health as undertraining. Um, and if the goal is to get fit, awesome. Muscle is really important. I'll talk about that in a second, but cortisol is catabolic. Cortisol is a breakdown hormone. And so you can't You can't have it both ways. You can't be high stress, pumping out cortisol, doing these intense exercises that are pumping out even more cortisol and also build muscle and support immunity right? You can't have it both ways. You can't be catabolic and trying to build muscle at the same time. It doesn't work that way. So I know this gets a little sticky and tricky if cardio or intense tense exercise is your stress relief. And I honestly, I don't really have an easy answer for you because you're essentially fighting your own biology. So that that's 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 a tricky thing. That's something that you're gonna have to sit with and really think about. Um, and it's 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 very common. Uh, I see this pattern a lot with my clients. And again. This is the reason that I'm building out more nervous system support with your hormone revival. Everything I build for you, every single thing, it's a call and response. It's I'm seeing what's going on. I'm seeing where people are struggling and then I'm putting out more resources to help you with that. So my goal is to get you exposed to a lot of different healing modalities so you can walk away from the program having found one that actually works for you, right? Because what works for me might not be your back. Um, And I know just because this is a question that will probably come up, like what's the best exercise from a hormone standpoint. And I would say if I had to choose, you know, if I had to just choose one or two things, I would say walk every day for sure. And then do strength training, like lift a few times a week, maybe two or three times a week. Um, you know, maybe do yoga once a week, just if if that helps to, you know, calm down and deescalate your stress response. Uh, but what I will say is you don't want to jump in too fast. So if you're going from zero to 60, go from zero to 10, then to 20, then to 30, you know, slowly, especially if you have cortisol issues, especially, especially if you have low cortisol, you don't want to jump in too fast. You know, you you don't want to have too much too fast because that can exacerbate the problem. You might feel great in the beginning, and then you crash and burn. Um, I do have a couple of episodes on um, training with adrenal fatigue, and um, I would check those out if you want to learn more about that. But ultimately, getting more muscle mass on your body is a a pretty good um, goal. Uh, More muscle mass, we have healthier mitochondria, um, which is our energy-producing Um, organelles of the body literally make ATP. And I will say that if I see people with consistently low cortisol, I am thinking, how is their mitochondria? We need mitochondria to build hormones. So mitochondria and hormone health, mitochondrial health and hormone health go hand in hand. And to build on last week's episode, we were talking about fragrance and toxicity terrible for your mitochondria. Terrible. Your mitochondria do not like toxins. So since we're talking about muscle mass, sarcopenia, I don't know if you've heard that term before, but it's essentially loss of muscle tissue. And if you Google the definition, it says loss of muscle tissue as a natural part of the aging process, um, which, makes you feel sad, (laughs) but it doesn't have to be that way. Uh, So we tend to lose muscle mass as we age. And with that loss of muscle mass, we can see increased insulin resistance. That's not great. I've done episodes on that. We can see hormone imbalance. It puts us at a greater risk for type 2 diabetes, for dyslipidemia, which is um, unfavorable cholesterol, high triglycerides. We can see high blood pressure. We can see heart disease. This is all based on lower muscle mass, losing muscle tissue over the years, which is why it's really important to strength train. And then sarcopenia or loss of muscle also drives adiposity. Um, I talked about this last week, how adipose tissue our fat tissue is recognized as its own endocrine organ because it's pumping out things. It's not just sitting there as a storage vesicle. It's actually releasing inflammatory cytokines. They even have a special name, uh, adipokines. Um, They also have another name, but it's longer and harder to pronounce. But they're essentially cell signaling uh, molecules. And the ones that the the fat cells release include leptin, um, adiponectin, interleukin-6, TNF, tissue necrosis factor. And it's really, it tends to be this, the visceral um, adipose tissue that fat that's wrapping around organs instead of the, not so much the subcutaneous fat underneath the skin or um, like total body fat. It's that visceral adipose tissue that really drives that inflammatory process. That's the stuff that is associated with insulin resistance. And in the fat tissue, there's these uh, enzymes known as aromatase, and that can actually change testosterone into estrogen, which is not really a favorable shift for many of us. And so there's this connection with our hormones as well. So again, I am really trying to... And all of this, by the way, can impact the immune system. There's this, this feedback loop between local inflammation in adipose tissue and then an altered immune response. Um, these These inflammatory messengers seem to activate the immune cells. So there's this whole, like nothing in the body works in isolation. So there's really this whole interconnectedness between it all, which is why I'm saying, hey, if we can you know really make sure that we're putting on muscle mass or we're hanging on to our muscle mass in our bodies, seems to be a really good thing from an overall health standpoint, a hormonal standpoint, and then also an immune standpoint as well. And then lastly, let's talk about the cortisol awakening response, uh, also known as CAR. We, we do test for this in Your Hormone Revival. We do the Dutch Plus test, so you get that, um, that cortisol awakening response. This is designed, it's a, it's a big surge, a big spike of cortisol in the morning, like the first second you open your eyes, and it's designed to get us awake. So we, we're supposed to go from unconscious to awake pretty freaking fast. And the body's designed to do that. And this is how it does that. So if this isn't happening, it is a good indicator that something is off. And there's a link between the cortisol awakening response and autoimmune. And it has everything to do with that thymus gland and the T cells. The, The T cells really have to pass through central tolerance. And if they fail that test, then a rise in the cortisol awakening response will trigger the death of inappropriate T cells. So like that's a, that's a good thing because we don't want um, immune cells that are kind of acting a fool in the body. That's when they get tripped up and start to get kind of squirrely and do things that they're not supposed to be doing. So if the cortisol awakening response is low, this can worsen autoimmunity or even cause it to develop. So I, I really, really like looking at that. Um, that section of the Dutch Dutch test. And I think it's a really great test to do. Um, Signs and symptoms that your cortisol awakening response might be low is if you're a slow starter in the morning, if you really need coffee to get going, if it takes you a few hours to get going, but then your fatigue kind of wears off throughout the day. If you feel very uh, blue down in the dumps, melancholy or depressed in the morning, but again, that wears off throughout the course of the day. If you wake up feeling pain, or if any of your symptoms are worse in the morning. So like you wake up stiff, you're kind of limping around, you're hurting, and then it takes you a while to get going. Um, if you've, you know, if you've ever thought about, if uh, even if you don't have autoimmunity, if you think about, sometimes you wake up and you like kind of feel groggy, a little run down, like you're coming down with something, your body's trying to fight something off. Maybe you're a little achy. And you're like, oh, it's not going to be a good day. Or like, oh, do I have to call out of work? Like, what's going on? And then it just kind of goes away throughout the course of the day. That's that that's your cortisol response, right? I was talking about cortisol being anti-inflammatory. This is your cortisol, like, kicking into gear and taking care of the inflammation in the body. Um, so what can happen sometimes, you can wake up, you can feel crappy, then you rally for a while, you feel fine. And then you feel bad again. That's because cortisol has this curve. And so basically the cortisol, if you, especially if you're a low cortisol cookie, that, that cortisol is helping you feel better. Um, So anyway, I know this was kind of all over the place. We talked about some different hormones, estrogen, progesterone. We talked about cortisol and um, a lot of their influence on the immune system. If you are like, I think my hormones are kind of a mess and I would like to get them in working order and support my immune system, then join me for the next round of Your Hormone Revival. I offer it twice a year, September 1st, we open enrollment. I would love to have you. Talk to you next week. Thanks for joining me for this episode of the Functional Nutrition Podcast. If you'd like to submit a question to the show, fill out the contact form at erinholthealth.com. If you got something from today's show, don't forget, subscribe, leave a review, share with a friend, and keep coming back for more. Take care of you.